Good afternoon and welcome to Beyond Email and SharePoint Strategies for Increasing Employee Communication and Engagement, a health system CIO media and production sponsored by Mango Apps. Just a little housekeeping before we get started. My name is Anthony Guerra. I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of Health System CIO, and I'll be your moderator today. We're looking forward to your audience, to your participation. You can send in your questions or comments at any time in the Q&A box, and we'll take those later in the program. Just so you see how we're going to spend our time today, first, we're going to spend about 35 minutes with our panel discussion featuring Jonathan Hensley, Director of User Experience with Team Health, and Vishwa Malhotra, co-founder and CTO at Mango Apps. And then we will have our audience Q&A. So without any further delay, let's jump right in uh, to our discussion. Jonathan, let's start with you. Can you give us an overview of your organization and your role? Sure. Uh, thanks for having me today, Anthony. Um, so Team Health is a clinician staffing and healthcare services company uh, that helps hospitals run more efficiently, uh, essentially. Uh, as you said, I'm the director of user experience, and basically our team's uh, job is to lead, guide, and direct the design of and improve uh, user experience and everything that we put out as a company to our users, whether they be clinicians, uh, administrative associates, executive leaders, or client partners, or even patients. Even patients. So it even extends out, out there. Tell me a little bit more about Any, that. Anything. Yep. Yeah, anything user facing. Um, so we have uh, uh, most of our uh, businesses B two B, but uh, working with client hospitals uh, and facilities. Um, but we do have some direct to consumer, direct to patient offerings. So lots of lots of web stuff, lots of uh, some apps stuff internally. Um, every everything across the board user facing. All right, kind of very thing. good. Uh, Vishwa, can you tell us a little bit about your organization and your role? Sure thing, Anthony. So Mango Apps uh, is in the business of helping organizations modernize their employee experience with its uh, widely recognized employee communications and engagement platform. And we've been doing this for over 15 years now. And in the last decade, or so, we have also been a trusted healthcare digital partner to over 30, 35 healthcare organizations in the US. Uh, we earned our high trust certification as part of our commitment to serving the healthcare industry with one of the best employee experience solutions that exist in the market today. Um, my name is Vishwa Malhotra, and I'm the co founder and CTO at Mango Apps. So that's a little bit about the company and me. Uh, very good. I'm sure we'll get more into security, but you mentioned uh, getting high trust. I interview a lot of CISOs. Um, some of them find that to be a quite important uh, thing that they're looking for as they try and um, make sure that any, any companies and any apps they bring on board uh, are secure. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about the decision to go for that high trust certification um, and what kind of a bar it was to get over? Uh, I know they have tiers now, uh, which makes it a little less intimidating to some companies, but your thoughts there? Yeah, it's it was a conscious choice and a decision as we uh, started to sign up customers. Um, 
you know, they made us, it made us realize the importance of going through that certification process if we wanted to commit to serve the healthcare set of organizations. It took us a while to get there. I don't, I can't say it was an easy ride. We actually attempted it twice. The first time was many years back. Um, and then I think the high trust certification changed some of the procedures and policies, and then we had to reset ourselves. Um, so it was a long drawn ordeal, but uh, in our second attempt, a couple of years back, we did uh, finally get through it. And today we are ITRA certified by a third party uh, assessor. So it's an important thing. We continue to plan to invest and, and keep that. Very good. Okay. Uh, Jonathan, first question to you. The title of this webinar describes going beyond email and SharePoint. Talk about the limitations of those mediums for employee communication and collaboration. Why is there a need or desire for something better? Yeah, so um, I'm assuming you're not just re uh, referring to the dreaded reply all situation from email. Um, okay, but, so that's you know, one of the that, issues. That's a big okay. one that, uh, yeah, yeah, that's... Uh, that's one of them, and and nobody knows how to get out of that thing. Apparently, right? Uh, uh -huh. Just always happens. But um, no matter how hard you try, you're you're still in that thread. But um, yeah, so you know, being being a user experience focused uh, role, right? Uh, you know, one of the things that the that email lacks that I think these newer platforms uh, provide are more ability for the user to to see. Uh, interact with um, the things that they care about and not the things that other people are just shouting at you um, or sending your way. Um, you know, whether that be the ability to leave specific channels or types of content uh, in, in a, a social type uh, platform, uh, only interacting with or commenting or getting notifications on things that you care about. Um, so give it really giving um, the individual users the control they want to also consume that content um, in whatever platform they want, whatever cadence they want in a more uh, asynchronous way, uh, maybe. Um, so, uh, and then I guess the, the next uh, obvious thing is the collaboration that can happen uh, in, in a more robust platform than email, uh, like file sharing, versioning of files, co-editing of documents and, um, those things are really huge productivity boosters as opposed to forwarding around attachments. And now there's 30 different copies of the same file um, with different versions uh, that you got to try to collate eventually. Um, and then, and then things from, for like our administrative and communications people, uh, you know, there's more efficiency to be had in a, in a more modern platform. Uh, you can, once you, once you hit publish uh, on an article or something, you still have the ability to edit the typos or fix the links that were broken. Whereas an email, you're kind of stuck with, you know, doing a reply all to fix those things. So some of that's a little more helpful. And then you get better metrics too that maybe aren't as available for how many people uh, read this thing. Kind of hard to do with modern email. So was in terms of moving forward with a new uh, a, a new app. Uh, I believe you're with Mango Apps, but as far as moving forward, is was this a situation where you, where you said we have a problem here, and this is not you know our collaboration through email is is not working as well as we needed to, so did it start with that, 
or did it start with uh, a solution coming, you know, coming into your worldview and saying that that looks like something we need? Wh- which which was first there? Yeah, we, we were definitely solving a problem um, for us. So be, being and it's it kind of comes down to security a little bit, which I, I think we'll get into a little bit later. But um, when you know most of our most of our clinicians, team health clinicians, are working for partner facilities at partner facilities, not a team health facility in a hospital with hundreds of other folks at, at their uh, company. So they, they go to work day after day to a different brand, a different company. Um, and they have email there too, uh, that they need to receive for their daily jobs and alerts and things that, that you know, that just go on every day in a hospital. Um, and it, it's, it's challenging to have two secure email uh, deliveries on a single device because of uh, things like mobile device management. You can only really have one of those. And as healthcare companies, we all want to be able to control our email and pull those things off as people leave or if they lose their phone, uh, you got to be able to get that stuff back. Um, so being able to manage that content and, um, is important, but then they can't get the hospital's email uh, and our email on the same device because of those uh, security limitations. So um, being that our clinicians are working at the hospital day after day after day, that's the more important uh, day-to-day, hour-to-hour email that they need to consume. So they were, we were getting left out in the cold um, on, on email and needed another path to our, to our staff for them to be able to get um, their stuff reliably from us. So, yeah, so that's a, a, a sort of an interesting paradigm that you have as your organization. If you put yourself into the seat of, let's say, a CIO at a health system where they're running the hospitals, it's their hospitals, and but you have a lot of physicians that come in that are not employees, right? So do you see yeah. parallels? Do you see how a, a new way forward might be useful to them as well, um, in addition to your unique situation? Um, yeah, I mean, they, they could, they could adopt a modern platform as well and still get, get around those, you know, the doctors from what I've seen are very reluctant to put MDM on their personal devices anyway. Um, they, they, they like privacy. They don't want to allow the company to have, you know, I mean, you're basically giving a company access to wipe your entire phone, right? They've got full carte blanche over your device. Uh, they can enforce pins and, uh, face IDs and logins and all the, all those things on your personal phone that you feel like is yours that you're paying for that uh, you don't want to allow that type of access. Um, so moving to a, a non-email uh, platform or something more modern that's that's app based uh, where you can wrap that security inside the app itself, um, you know, kind of allows you a little more flexibility. So our users can install on their own our app from the app store we only have access to the app we can wipe everything in the app we can't remove it from your phone but we can log you out and clear the cache and you're you're not there anymore you can't get back in um so we still have the same level of security but in a in in an app-based security model instead of a device-based security model all right uh, very good vishwa you obviously you know you conceived the company around and that was 14 years ago that was 14 years ago. So you had this idea that there were limitations of, uh, of email communication for employees. 
Um, that was a long time ago. And uh, I'm assuming you think it's been borne out and proven. Perhaps things have even, in terms of um, the need out there, the evolution of communications, the evolution of how email has gone, I assume has made your product even more attractive. Would you say that, that the world has moved towards you as a company rather than away from you? That's very true, Anthony. And uh, sort of, if I just want to take a moment and step back um, at a macro level, you know, we looked at some of the statistics out there um, some time back, and um, there are about 20, 21 million people in the US healthcare industry today. And out of those 21 million people, as per the U- US uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics, about 16, 17 million are frontline employees in these healthcare in- in industries. And these fl- frontline employees are anybody who's customer facing, anybody who is uh, patient facing, or anybody who's doing frontline um, task workers, as we call them. That's about 76% of the healthcare workforce is frontline. And for the large part of the 76% of healthcare workforce, they do not have corporate email addresses. Now, that's for us was the first limitation of email. Frontline employees, uh, for the majority cases, do not have an email address or do not have a corporate email uh, address. And at Mango Apps, we called it as a limitation of reach when it comes to email as the channel. Now, many of our customers, uh, and I know uh, Team Health is a very unique one and an important uh, one to un- understand and address. Uh, but in addition to that, there are many healthcare organizations who echo in the same sentiment that they have a very small segment of an employee base whom they can actually reach over email. And that brings a need, a desire to connect with these employees in other manner. And that's how Mango Apps come in, comes into the picture. Many of the ones who even have a corporate email addresses uh, who are working in clinical settings do not have the time to sit down and sort through their emails. CIOs of these organizations constantly tell us that they want to reduce the risk of phishing emails, and they sometimes even want to drive down the high cost of licenses that come with email accounts. So those are some of the reasons why this desire to go beyond beyond email. Um, I'll take one more example and then pause for a minute. The internal communication teams at many of these organizations tell us that even if they are able to send emails through distribution lists, they get minimal data on how the employees engage with the information that's provided in the email. And then they start to depend on IT and other integrations with with business intelligence tools, uh, assuming they have the time and resources to do it, to be able to get insights into the communication that's been sent over email. So that's another reason why there's a desire for something better than email. Yeah, it's very interesting that uh, there there are certain types of people that uh, can easily be overwhelmed by email. Uh, I think clinicians may be one of those groups. They're just, uh, they're not used to that. Their their mindset is not, for me, uh, my whole world is is built around email in a sense. And I am extreme, like I, li- it's part of my life, but for certain clinicians, 
that's not the way they operate. That's not the way they're set up. And they can easily be overloaded uh, by sort of the volume and the noise and things like that. So it's it's quite interesting. Um, let's talk about security. Uh, Jonathan, uh, it's a big, big issue here. Big part of probably of everything you do. It's a big issue. Um, but tell me your thoughts around security and, uh, you know, as you move forward here. Yeah, um, security is a big deal. Uh, we've been on Mango Apps for almost six years now. Uh, so back back then, it was definitely a, a bigger deal than than it is now that they're high trust certified. But um, yeah, we 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 can't even when we were surveying the field, you, you can't even evaluate many of the players out there, especially back then. Um, just from a security standpoint, um, you, you couldn't even you know, most of the options are off the table. So this, this is a prerequisite that has to be filled um, for this type of platform. Um, and, and yeah, it's, 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 um, it's a huge concern. We're always, we're always talking to InfoSec uh, about everything uh, to get approvals for all of our, all of our change that happens, uh, app updates and all those types of things, but always checking those boxes. But um Yes, security is primary concern. I, I spoke a little bit earlier about with MDN, mobile device management type stuff, but um, the the app based model has been has been a godsend for us, uh, and I think would be would be in a much harder boat if we were um, having to get convince people to install um, install those security apps on top of because it's just a hard like every app that we try to get a clinician to install. The more and more there are, the harder it is. So having it all kind of in one place for them to go, you know, consume their communications and get to their apps and do all their things is definitely easier. So you, from, from the timing of what I, of what I understand it, you went with Mango apps before they were high trust certified. Is that correct? Correct. Yep. So, I mean, that's changed a lot over the last two or three years. Um, third party application reviews from a security point of view. Um, so is is high trust stakes to play now or is that too high a bar and you would have too few to choose from? I know um, a lot of people are putting a lot of work into not only reviewing new application requests from a security point of view, but a lot of people are reviewing their existing application catalog, trying to bring those existing solutions up to standard or make sure they're meeting the new bar. Some people are not. Some people are just focusing on new apps. Um, but your thoughts there and maybe your thoughts around high trust certification again, is it a requirement for anybody you look at or is that too high a bar? It, it's still, uh, I'm not an infosec, so, uh, you know, disclaimer here, but, uh, I do interact with them a lot. Uh, I don't, I think, I think high trust is, is the exception, not the rule currently. Um, I, I think we're, everything's trending that direction. I don't, I don't think you're there yet to be able to say we're only going to operate with companies that are high trust certified quite yet i think uh the, the more we look at new stuff the more important it is but we definitely are on you know we're going to be uh, have partners that aren't yet there um, obviously you know it's a big gold star if you are evaluating platforms and people are high trust certified then that that maybe bubbles you up the list uh, of, of things that people are going to evaluate so it, it is important i don't think that it's it's not the minimum bar currently. Are you, are, have you evolved over the last few years to get security involved earlier in the process of reviewing potential applications? 
Um, I, I think the answer is yes. I'm not sure how, how much uh, I'm involved in all of that, but uh, the, the processes have definitely gotten more and more stringent um, from a security standpoint and change management standpoint. There's a lot more reviews that go on. There's, uh, you know, I think we partner with some third party um security evaluation firms and scoring systems and all our vendors mm-hmm. are kind of held, you know, we we're actively following up with vendors who are falling down the list of, of scoring on InfoSec stuff. So it's, it's definitely top of mind uh, every week, week in, week out um, so, more so sure. than a few years ago. Very good. Very good. So Vishwa, you, you know, we talked a little bit about this going for the high trust certification, quite a high bar. It sounds like, um, really puts you in elite company from a security point of view. And that's what Jonathan is saying. It, there's, there's going to be a few companies that have gone through this and boy, does that show a commitment to the space, um, and a willingness to, that you're going to be around, you know, you're not, you're not just trying to dip your toe into healthcare. You're in healthcare. Otherwise you wouldn't put all that effort into it. What are you hearing from potential customers from a security point of view? Is it, has it changed from your, in your perception um, is it now boom right off the bat part of what they want to talk about? Did it used to be later in the process that oh yeah, what about this? Um, how has it changed over the last few years? Well, I think it's it's quite upfront in the process. So when we are filling up RFPs or RFIs, um, it's an important component. Um, there are clear minimum criteria in some of these RFPs that. Uh, ask about certification, whether it is high trust. Um, um, I think at a minimum, we are still looking at HIPAA compliance when we're talking at healthcare in in these RFPs. So I think it's more upfront um, and it's marked as required. So at least the ones that we are dealing with, I think we would, we do stand, like Jonathan said, we do move up the list uh, in terms of when, as they shortlist and we check mark a big important area for them. And it's not something that you can just say that, you know, uh, security and compliance is important, but you have gone through the process to provide evidence and there's a third party certification to it. So there's a um, there is a lot of breadth and depth uh, in the security and compliance area. And, and you know, uh, it's not just a white paper that we put out, but we put out the entire policy process procedure that builds confidence and trust um, in in that space. Um, And and, uh, especially as a cloud-based service provider uh, where you're not deploying your solution on-premise, it even has greater significance uh, to have these certifications. And it's an important part of qualifying, especially if it comes to larger organizations and larger enterprises. Absolutely. All right. Very good. Jonathan, let's talk about rolling, you know, rolling this type of thing out. Um, how much is technology, the implementation, and that would be sort of the CIO's role uh, to make sure it works from a technical or CTO's role perspective. And then just the proper way to roll these things out. How much of a culture change is it for for folks to sort of get their arms around? What is your best advice there? Yeah, it's definitely a different world, uh, especially the larger of an organization you are, I think. And the more you've been ingrained in email, um, as things get more social seeming uh, on the business side, um, 
from a technical standpoint, I, I don't know that there was, um, it was, it was pretty easy for us. I think coming from uh, an environment where we didn't already have uh, a platform like this, that we were converting from one to another. Uh, so that it was all new. Uh, maybe that was a little uh, more helpful for us, not having to try to make all the changes at once, but we, we kind of, uh, uh, I don't know if slow rolled is not quite the right term, but we took our time and we're very uh, intentional about how we rolled out, um, both from a technical and feature standpoint, uh, but also from a, a deployment or a standpoint to users, you know, going basically department by department or group by group, slowly getting uh, people on the platform and then enhancing that platform over time or unlocking new features uh, just so we didn't have to try to eat that uh, whole elephant at one time um so i don't know if that really answers your question but uh, no no it's it's that's good um vishwa uh with with rollout i mean obviously you the success of a company like yours doesn't just depend on the sale right? It depends on the success of the customer post-sale. People have to be using it. They have to be using a lot of it. That's what we talk about a lot is um, you want to know that they're, you know, they didn't just buy it. They're not just using one or two things that really, because that means they're going to be happier with it. They feel like their value for the money they're spending. So um, what are your thoughts around rollout? You provide guidance around rollout, best practices, anything that comes to top of mind that you want to share here about uh, for anyone, let's say, rolling out a solution like this, or or what is your best advice to be successful? That's that's a great question, Anthony. And I think uh, what you said that you know it's not just about the launch or initial rollout, but it is the ongoing success and adoption of the platform that actually decides how successful you are uh, in the space. And I think one of the things. Uh, at the foundation of that is being able to help our customers map the employee communication, employee engagement, and collaboration initiative to something very tangible inside their organization, um, a tangible priority, a tangible outcome, uh, as opposed to trying and creating something new. Um, I'll take an example here. So in, in, in one of the organizations, um, if, uh, the top line you know, business outcome or business priority they had was to improve their customer experience, as they called it, or improve patient experience. And so as part of our, you know, once they've bought the product, you've launched it, you want to uh, make sure they are successful at, their, at their, this top line objective. So one of the ways we went about doing that was asking them some of these questions as part of our onboarding process, which is like uh, questions like, you know, are your critical company updates that are sent to your customer or patient facing teams through email getting passed over? Are they being read? Uh, are these customer or patient facing teams out of sync or do they, do they feel they are not fully informed? or how much time these customer and patient facing teams are wasting looking for resources and information um, that's lost and buried in email, or how many systems these people having to go through to be able to find this information, the level of frustration they have. 
So as we go through this questionnaire uh, as part of our onboarding launch process, we find the pain points. And as part of that, we start to map the best practices in employee communication, employee collaboration, and employee engagement to their outcome. And so in this example, if the outcome was improving customer and patient experience, we went about mapping and showing how the customer and patient care teams can get faster access to the most up-to-date information uh, that's trustworthy without they just passing it off uh, and how it can save time so that they can focus on doing their primary job, which is to provide better customer and patient experience. And then we were able to map how the communication teams um, the ones who are creating this content no longer need to depend on technical resources to make uh, an engaging piece of collateral on day-to-day, -day, uh, week on week, uh, and be able to target the customer-facing and patient care teams, um, reducing their operational IT cost on one side, but making sure they got the engagement on the communication that was being targeted to the customer-facing and patient care teams. So that's how we work, I would say, in making sure they are successful. And, and, and we do get good adoption rates, good engagement rates around these communications. If we follow the practice of mapping the communication to some organization priority. Very good. Uh, Jonathan, uh, how have you determined if the app has benefited your organization? You, you know, there, you mentioned that there's limited feedback from email. I guess you know if, if somebody opens it or not, or there may be some other metrics you can get if you're communicating by email and you're trying to gauge your level uh, of engagement. Um, I would imagine with, with something like Mango Apps, there's a lot more data you can get to show engagement, but you weren't coming from a different platform to uh, Mango Apps. You were coming from sort of email to Mango Apps. But how, how have you best determined the effectiveness and then I guess over time, once you get metrics, you can from Mango Apps, you're seeing if those metrics improve. Uh, but your thoughts there around figuring out is this working? Yeah, um, it's it's important for sure, and it it's you know uh, there's there's a lot of data, there's a lot more data um, from I think this modern platform from from Mango Apps platform for sure. Um, yeah, I think we I, probably back when we converted, we we only, you know, I think we were on a third party platform that does email, you know, kind of email as a service stuff where you can get open rates and click throughs. But those those are only for like the most important corporate communication type things. Um, so you maybe had some data on the high prior highest priority stuff, whether people are open it or not. Um, whereas in this new model, you have metrics on basically anything that's in the platform, how many people have seen it, how many people have reacted, how many people have commented, you, you know, you can survey that whole landscape to see what types of content perform better and in what groups and what types of users are, are actually looking at stuff, um, with much more granularity, I think. Um, so, but it, it you know, and kind of. Uh, something Vishwa was mentioning a minute ago about um, being intentional about how you plan uh, communication is important. And it, it's, I think it's also different outside of email. Um, um, 
you know, the way you create content is different. The way people consume content is different. Um, in these more modern platforms, it's, it's, um, you know, people's time is super valuable, especially clinician time, um, leader time, uh, the faster you can process these things, the faster you can consume them, um, the more, the more engagement you're going to have, uh, the less people are going to tune you out. So there's definitely a strategy component. This, none of this is just a, you know, let's pick, pick the best platform and it's just going to. It's just gonna be, you know, no problems. Everything's gonna be great, and people are gonna love it, and they're gonna be asking for more. Like, uh, there's there's still work to do here, but um, having a platform that gives you those insights is definitely important as well. And and teams that work work with you to help um, plan and strategize around how you communicate to your users. Uh, we've actually been on, I guess, been on the platform so long that we're going back through again through this assessment uh with with the team currently to you know how can we get better have things changed should our strategy change what are what are you seeing best practices from other companies that have onboarded more recently are are our metrics you know standing up to uh what new people are getting or or do we need to adapt and change so we're going back through kind of that that process of uh, with them right now um just to you gotta, you gotta always keep the foot on the gas with this stuff. You can't let it fall to the background and just think it's going to take care of itself. Um, but you have more tools at hand to be able to assess whether what you're doing is, is working or not. I think. And this is, I mean, this is related Jonathan to very high level stuff, right? I mean, this is probably there's messaging here from the CEO on down. And this has to do with employee retention. This has to do with burnout, employee satisfaction, and keeping people uh, and clinicians and all people in healthcare at a premium. They they have more options. Uh, they can't. They don't have the same level of remote work ability, certainly for obvious reasons. Uh, but there is probably more than there used to be for different types of jobs. Um, but this is this is very high level stuff. This is address addresses things that are probably very very high level of strategic priorities for the organization. Is that correct? For sure. Yep. Uh, yeah. From, from day one, uh, I mean, we, we actually spent over a year, um, maybe over two years um, surveying the landscape to find the right product that was going to solve all of our needs. And it was a priority from the top down um, at the very highest levels of the company. Um, and we had to make sure we got it right. Um, so it, it's, it's huge. Uh, and retention is definitely one of those line items that was on the list of, of things that we were um, trying to improve. And, and part of the cost benefit analysis of, of, of the new platform, um, was employee retention. It is super expensive to replace a clinician. And you could tie, it's interesting. You can directly tie retention to these issues. Like this could be. The issues this solves and deals with could be so irritating to someone that they could say, I, I, I don't I never know what's going on around here. <laughs> I'm getting 50 emails. I'm missing stuff. Then people are yelling at me, so to speak, about you didn't do this or you didn't do that. And I just don't want to deal with it. Like you could literally get to that point, you think, of dissatisfaction that it's a contributing factor in losing people. Correct? Yep. Yep, for sure. And uh, I think... The analysis back then uh, was that if, if we can save less than 1% or 
retain less than 1% more clinicians than we've more than played, paid for the platform. So uh, it's, a, it's a crazy ROI um, when you talk about retention. That's some, that's some nice, uh, Vishwa, that's some nice words. It's, it's got crazy ROI. So you must like to hear that. That's what you want, right? You want to be delivering something with crazy ROI. Absolutely. I mean, we only win if, you know, team health wins and customers like team health win. So absolutely. Yeah. Uh, very good. All right. Let's put out our little, uh, our little poll here. Um, so if you guys, if everybody on the line wants to answer that sort of a fun little poll, uh, see if you agree or disagree, excessive volume, spam and phishing have made email a less than effective medium for engaging with employees. So if you agree with that statement, uh, then let us know if you disagree, um, let us know. Uh, and we'll address that and uh, give you a minute to answer that. And then we'll we'll get to that. Uh, here's a good one, Jonathan. Um, who are the key individuals in the key roles that must work together? Uh, uh, even with selection, you mentioned a two-year selection. You probably want to have the right people involved. Usually you want to have the people that are ultimately going to be using this stuff, uh, the leaders of those constituencies involved in a selection process. Um, so you've got pre, uh, I don't know if it's the same thing, but pre-selection and, and then rollout. Your thoughts about the key individuals that someone like yourself has had to work with to make this a success? Yep. As you can imagine, uh, a project like this that was coming from the, the top of the organization to begin with to solve problems that we had, um, there was a high degree of interest uh, across the organization at the highest levels. We definitely had, uh, from the beginning, formed a governance team um, of those top uh, top people. Um, so we we had people from the you know administrative employee side. We had people from the clinician leader side, uh, the CIO, the uh, uh, VP of communications, internal communications, marketing people. All were involved, um, and uh, several more IT people to make it all work, um, or to at least evaluate the the field of things. Um, and then obviously there's integrations and things that have to happen to get data into the platform so that you're driving um, the groups and things you create, um, profiles, et cetera, so people can find each other and, and collaborate. But um, I, I mean, it's all across the board. I, the, more, the more decision makers you can have in the room, the voices you hear from, you know, we, we as uh, the team that was really picking was more... Um, people involved in the actual evaluation was more IT focused, but then bringing the recommendations, we evaluated over 40 products. Um, and that, those were the ones that passed muster that allowed us to, to evaluate that, that checked most of the boxes uh, back then. But so you can imagine IT was doing more of that and then bringing the recommendations of kind of the top handful to the teams and comparing and contrasting the, the um, list of features and things that each platform could provide, but um, good, so. very good. Um, Vishwa, who's typically coming to you, like from a health system? What's the position of the individual who's either reaching out or the key person that you want to talk to first? I, 
I assume it's not IT to start with. It's not the CIO. It might be someone more in Jonathan's position. Um, and then IT is probably quickly brought in uh, if things are going to move forward. But but tell me what you're seeing as far as who's approaching you, who are the key individuals, and then your thoughts on your advice um, for who needs to be involved as they work. Because you want to give them your best advice uh, so they can make a good decision. Um, so I don't know if you ever provide advice on, hey, here are the people you may want to involve as you go making the selection process. It benefits you because it streamlines things. You probably want them to come with a solid decision rather than one where some key people were not involved. And you say, okay, we know that this individual may balk. So it's not past the, the finish line yet. But your thoughts around that? Yeah. So, you know, typically, if there are products that we generally are aware in the B2B scenario, right? HCM products, there is a clear owner and there is a person who comes. HR owns it, CRM, sales owns it. Um, but when it comes to employee communication and collaboration, I think there are multiple people who actually need to own it for it to be effective and get the return on your investments. Um, who comes to us? CIO and I would say VP or EVP of corporate communications. Those two are still our two primary uh, stakeholders. Um, and they all, in most organizations, we they are critical in the decision-making process. Um, once the product in term is, is sort of bought and, and people start using it to be uh, most effective for everybody, there are some key roles and players that should be involved. If you have a dedicated internal communications team, that's going to play a key role in owning the strategy and operations of the communication. Um, they would have a different success metric. Uh, maybe it's employee engagement, readership, viewership. The IT team is also going to have an important role to play to get the full value out of the product. They're responsible for budget, infrastructure, and they're likely looking for improved clinician productivity as one of their success metrics. Uh, HR team can be involved. Uh, they own the communication and collaboration around employees' journey in the organization. If you're doing a new employee onboarding journey uh, and there's communication and engagement as part of this journey, they are going to play a key role. And that, go and that ties back to what you were talking earlier, Anthony, in terms of employee retention. And I'll extend employee retention to even employee advocacy. Uh, that's a metric that they, the HR team would own when they are using a product like Mango Apps for, for communication and engagement. I would go one step further and say even the learning and development team, the L&D teams in organizations, they should be owning the communication and engagement around employee training. Um, you know, healthcare organizations have compliance training and certification plays a very key role and there's communication around that and, and their success metric is likely 100% compliance. So I think there are these four or five key roles and players to get the maximum ROI out of the product who should have a voice and ownership into it. Vishwa, you mentioned the CIO is one of your uh, key people coming to you and initiating this discussion. Um, one of the interesting dynamics of a successful CIO that has been discussed over the years well, so one of the ideas is that IT shouldn't lead, a, they don't want to drive it. 
They want the business owners to drive it and they want to support. That's one way to look at it. And there's truth to that. And the other is that if you're a completely sort of passive CIO, meaning you're only responding to requests, that's not really what the business wants either. You need to be a combination of those two things. You need to be responding to the business, supporting the business, and getting the business to drive things. But you also need to be bringing solutions, IT solutions, to the table to business problems that you know exist, even if you have not been tasked with that, right? So this is another way CIOs uh, bring value and get that seat at the table that they're talking about. This seems like an area where they could do that, that they could suggest that, uh, hey, uh, I've heard there's been talk around here about some dissatisfaction in this area. There's solutions out there that may fit our problem. I don't know. What are your thoughts there around uh, what you've seen? I mean, you've dealt with CIOs. You've seen ones that impressed you. Uh, Is there any common denominator to the way they're approaching their job in light of that discussion or, or what I just laid out about simply being passive versus being active? What are your thoughts there? Well, that's a great point again, Anthony. And I think uh, the forward uh, thinking CIOs uh, play the role that you just articulated. Um, they find that there's a objective or a priority in the organization to improve employee productivity or improve employee engagement. And they connect the dots uh, by looking at solutions like Mango Apps um, that help them achieve the other CXO's uh, priorities, right? So they no longer are just uh, you know a cost organization, but they are actually proactively involved in helping the, their peer peers at the C level to achieve their objectives and, and priorities. Um, so those are where we products like ours make a difference and they change the status quo. Um, sometimes in, in organizations, um, that also helps establish a sense of urgency uh, if the prioritization is right from the top in terms of the outcomes that are around employee experience, employee retention. And that helps the CIOs, uh, especially the forward-looking CIOs, to be able to fast-track improving employee communication and engagement related projects over, let's say, some of the other IT ops initiatives, which is let me upgrade my HCM system or make a change to my ERP chain um, process or tool. So they're making these decisions um, with, with, with a sense of connecting them with their organization's goals. And, and forward-looking CIOs do an excellent job at it. And our experience with a large percentage of them has been very, very good, I would say. Yeah, well said. Uh, and I, I like the way you put that, that the good CIOs are looking to help address the other CXOs priorities. I think that's a, a really good way to look at it. All right. Um, we're going to share our poll results here. Uh, 73% agree that email is uh, an issue and sort of not not quite cutting, making the grade anymore. Um, 27% disagree, but that just shows you we have not rigged the poll. So otherwise, you know, it would be one of like one of those crooked elections with 100%. So um, certainly uh, an issue there. Let's know what the ask a co-panelist. I'm, I'm interested to hear what you guys would like to know from each other. Uh, we do have a, a, a customer and, and vendor situation, but, um, you know, from, from our pre-discussion, you two have not talked that much uh, personally before. So it's kind of 
getting to know each other a little bit. Uh, Vishwa, I'll let you go first. What would you like to ask Jonathan? Well, Jonathan has been a great advocate for, in terms of giving us feedback uh, through the channels that we have, uh, even though we have not personally interacted with, but the perspective of user experience is important for us. So I would let Jonathan sort of um, maybe share a little bit about what does he see the next 12 to 24 months in terms of user experience improvements that help with employee communication and engagement. Um, sort of, if you wanted to put on a vision hat and share some of those thoughts. Sure, yeah, thanks. Um, you know, a, a one of the things we focus on is a, a, just a continual refinement of uh, the platform in general, all the uh, issues that get bubbled up or uh, things that are too complex that might need to be simpler. Uh, we definitely pass all those along and and get them in the list uh, of things to make better. That's just, I think that's just, you know, the nature of every platform is there needs to be a, con a continual uh, addressing of and improving of, of the product. And, you know, um, I guess corporate world uh, applications tend not to do a great job of that. If you look at, if you look at corporate apps, they're, they don't look like personal apps. They don't look like what people use in their personal life day to day. They're they're seemingly more antiquated or older looking, or you know, and that um, in the user experience world, it, it's it's for sure a real a real thing that you know people people um, get an impression of your product or your service within seconds of seeing it the first time, and if it looks old and uh, people are going to think it's not well maintained and it's not going to work great. Uh, it's super important um, to continually, you know, refresh a platform and to keep it looking like the new apps. You know, Instagram and Facebook and all those uh, uh, other social apps or TikTok, maybe even like everything that people are using in their daily lives outside of work are driving design, and that's what they, you know, people expect things to look a certain way. Um, and when you don't do that on the on the internal company side, company software side, it, it's it's going to give the wrong impression. So that that didn't answer your question yet, but that that's table stakes, right? You got to you just have to do that stuff. Um, uh, one of the things I'm excited about, um, maybe not really a user experience thing per se, but I think it could be, um, is is this you know AI stuff and um, chat chat GPT and the like. Um, Super interesting. I think the ceiling is is way high on these new technologies on what what those types of things could do for users. You know, maybe I don't even need to know where in the platform to go find something anymore. I just ask for it, and it's mm. hand delivered to me. Like that's that. I think maybe in in the next uh, twelve to twenty four months is something that that becomes more commonplace and, and makes it further into these platforms. That would be super cool. Um, and helpful for users every day, you know, give me my latest pay stub, like, and it's just handed to you. Like um, those things are powerful for, for users on the go and people who don't have time to spend digging for stuff uh, or, you know, they just want it now, hand it to me and let me be on my way. So. Very good. Very good feedback. Um, Jonathan, uh, did you have a question for Vishwa? 
Uh, I, yeah, I can, I can, um, I can ask one. I think, um, you know, over our years on the platform, um, maybe um, something I've seen uh, that you guys that uh, seemingly do different, uh, maybe or or better than others, uh, that maybe you can speak to how, how you make those decisions. Just um, um, how you decide what makes it into the next versions of the platform where you're going to go from new features or new functionality or new things and being able to couple um, where the industry is going in general with what you, what your current client base want um, specifically, but then, uh, you know, managing also where your vision for the platform is, how do you really balance, um, you know, what the next new things we're going to work on are to make sure that everybody's uh, satisfied and get what they want. Sure thing, Jonathan. I mean, I would say that as a rule of thumb in Mango apps, it's a 50-50. When we put out the roadmap for the year 2023, uh, is for the first six months, we are consciously making a choice of taking 50% of the requests that are coming in what we have uh, as the cus uh, customer community. So Mango Apps has this customer community where all our customers share ideas and vote on the ideas. Uh, one customer shares it, other customers are able to vote on that. So we take that as an input source and 50% of what we are going to do in the first six months in the year is coming directly from that. Within that, we are triaging that, prioritizing that stuff, but that's 50%. We know what our resource pool is, we know the time and we know what we can do in half of that time. So we know which ones to pick. The other 50% is largely looking forward. And you mentioned AI stuff. Uh, I would say AI would fall in that bucket. I would say 50% of what we would be doing is going to be in AI stuff moving forward. And that's how our, that's primarily how the roadmap uh, gets decided. Um, that helps uh, in some ways to keep the balance. Uh, we It may be 48%, 52%, or 55-45, but we make a conscious decision as management team in Mango Apps to keep that forward. And I think that benefits our customers in two ways. One, we are listening to them and directly doing, sort of taking the feedback that they're giving us in the customer community and giving them back those capabilities, those use cases, those features in one way. And second, we are putting in the work of doing things that they likely may not, they may want, but they don't, they haven't asked for. Um, they would get to in six months, 12 months. So we want to be make sure we are a little bit ahead of the curve here. And that's why the other 50% comes in and, and, and benefits our customers. And it's part of our long-term uh, customer retention approach as well. Um, this 50-50 model and, and kind of has served as well if you look at our results and numbers around our customer retention and renewal rates. Excellent. Uh, sounds good. Sometimes, uh, and that was the famous thing with the iPhone, uh, gave people what they didn't even know they wanted and looks like we all wanted it. So uh, it's good to have a balance there. We are about out of time. Wonderful discussion. Regarding continuing education, you could use the final slide in this deck. You'll receive an email when the on-demand recording 
of this event is ready for viewing. If you want to sponsor an event with us, you can reach out to Nancy Wilcox from our team. You can go to our website to register for upcoming panels. With that, I want to thank our tremendous panel, Jonathan Hensley and Vishwa Malhotra. And I want to thank Mango Apps for sponsoring and making the event possible. And I want to thank you for attending. And with that, everybody have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you.